0: what people are saying when they have that testimony. We can relate, we've been there. Because fear is a liar, but we don't necessarily always examine that as closely, perhaps, as we should. a lot of times we just say, oh, I'm just maybe scared of something, scared to do something. But fear can creep in in other ways. It's not necessarily obvious by being scared of something. When a lot of times it comes into our lives, it presents itself as just saying, I don't need to do this. I don't want to do that. And it keeps us, a lot of times, from interacting with people that we should interact with. You know, growing up and watching my father, he spent a lot of time breaking down other people's fear. He would work with various churches, different denominations, different races, trying to show that we could all just come together in a place of worship, but just as being humans. And today we face maybe not that kind of fear, there is still some racial fear that goes on, there. Fears of other countries, other nationalities, fear of other religions. And before us now, we have a fear of a virus. Not knowing what it can do, what it is. Getting all kinds of different information from all over different areas. And there seems to be no one thing we can hang our hats on to say this is what it is, this is what's going to happen, and this thing will be wrapped up in a nice piece of time. So we're having to just kind of go along with what we're being told, and that causes some fear, some anxiety, because we're unsure. So today I want to briefly deal with our fear, and the scripture I want to use Is a very familiar scripture, and I'm just going to read it. You understand all of it. But Paul is speaking, and he says this. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle... Here it is, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. I'm going to stop there. He goes on and he lists all of the various armaments that we can put on, and some of you may remember from Sunday school, some of them. But I want to stay focused on this idea that our struggle is not against Flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, against spiritual forces. And so today, we need to put on the full armor so that we can be protected in our spirit, in our minds. This body we're carrying around is failing. No matter what age, it's only getting older. We're doing our best to keep it going. But our fight is a spiritual fight. And so no matter what is happening around us, let us find our protection in God and the armor He has given us to protect ourselves. See, this is the Lenten season and I think appropriately so. Because what happens during the Lenten season? Well, we celebrate it because it's the time where Christ went off into the desert all by himself. For what? So that the devil could have him one-on-one and try and tempt him with all of the things of this world, all of the human conditions, all of the dark forces. And Christ was alone. All he had with him, because right before he went, he was baptized in the Spirit. So all he had with him was the power of the Spirit. He didn't take a gun. Well, he didn't have guns, but he didn't take any weapons. He didn't take extra clothes. He didn't take extra water. It wasn't like he was going camping and he got all the stuff we would get if we were going out into the desert for 40 days. We would be prepared get our fig bars and bags of of nuts and grains and whatever else you might need. Get those hats with the big umbrella on it. Keep yourself from getting burnt. None of that. Because he understood who was on his side. He knew that this was part of his testing, what he needed to go through. And so I find that it's kind of ironic or appropriate, that we find ourselves in this world, in this situation, during the Lenten season, a time of uncertainty, not knowing what's going to happen next, a time where we should be in fear based on what is happening on the television and what's happening in the world around us. It's a lot of room for fear, And I'm not sitting here saying that we shouldn't understand what's going on, and we shouldn't take precautions to protect this temple that God has given us. Of course we should. But in our minds and in our spirit, we should hold firm in knowing that God is with us, and He is seeing us through this, regardless of the outcome, regardless of the reports that we know in our private time that we can look to God to provide our answers. And so I see a few opportunities here. We have to be home for the next few weeks, discouraging us from congregating together. So maybe we can take our quarantine and make it quality. Always like to turn a bad situation and find the good. So maybe there's an opportunity here to draw closer to God, to stop the everyday of how we do things, how we take a lot of our lives for granted, the things we're allowed to do, places we can go. We just make assumptions, and now a lot of those assumptions have been halted. We have to stop. We have to be mindful We have to pay attention. So maybe we can do the same thing in our spiritual life. Maybe we can take this time to go in that prayer closet we talk about, to pray a little more, to study a little more, to seek what God is doing in our lives a little more. And instead of being in the arena of fear, We can build our arena of faith. There is no separation from the Spirit. We know that nothing can separate us from God's love, no matter what is going on. So let us lean on that. Let us rely on that and understand that no matter what else is taking place, that we can see our reflection in what God is doing with us. And I use that word reflection because being around one another we see ourselves in other people. There's a quality of of who we are around. And we forget that. We forget that. And so maybe with the quarantine, so to speak, We can appreciate those around us because they are a reflection of who we are. You say, oh, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, you know, you see yourself, but you don't get to look at yourself that often. Well, maybe if you're my daughter, she loves a mirror. She can't pass by a mirror without taking a few glimpses and admiring God's work. But for the most part, we don't sit around staring at ourselves. We don't see how we react in situations. We don't, we're not part of a reality show where someone's following us around with a camera and we can go back and see all the things we did and observe ourselves. We don't have that. So it's the people that are around us, those that we see. We begin to reflect them. You look at couples and they begin to mimic each other's gestures the small things, because they're a reflection of one another. This past week, a good friend of mine celebrated his birthday, and we were there, and we were playing darts. Is what he wanted to do, go play darts, and we were just playing darts, and I realized that all of us, that little group, that we all kind of act the same way. We laugh at the same things. We have very similar sense of humor. And it's not because we grew up together, because we didn't. We all came from different families. But because we have spent so much time together as a group, when we come together, we begin to act a certain way. We relate to one another. And that's why we like to be around those people we like to be around. Because they are a reflection of who we are, who we want to be, the things inside of us that we desire to be. So in this time where maybe we don't get to see certain people, let us find the quality of one another, the reflection, God's reflection in one another, and grow to have a deeper appreciation Of what God is doing in each and every one of us. I know just remembering who I go to for certain things. When I need strength, sometimes I'll go to a a friend of mine named Russ, and he's a business guy, and, you know, he's a very nose-to-the-ground, black-and-white kind of thinker and so when I need things, a straight shooter, I'll go to him. He'll give it to me straight. But sometimes I need a little more of a nurturing, a little more a remembering of really who I am, a softer touch. And so maybe I'll call my mom, you know, talk to my dad, right? And then that day-to-day, just every day trying to get through life, just the menial things, who do we talk to in those things? Well, usually it's my wife. She gets to put up with all of my silliness, the things that you all hopefully won't have to ever deal with. Yes. But then there's those times where we're not sure who we can go to when we really need that wise counsel, when even though we've talked to the guy that we trust the most, or that, that woman who, who, that girlfriend that we know understands us the best, and we've tried to talk to them, but it's still just not quite adding up. There's only one other place to turn, and that's to turn to the wonderful counselor, to turn to our Christ, to turn to the Spirit. And this is the lesson of the Lenten season, that when you're unsure, when the world comes at you with its weight and its heaviness, when it challenges you, to, you're not even sure which way to go. If we were out in the middle of the desert with none of the things that we're used to having, couldn't call anybody, couldn't talk to anyone else. And yet the world was still coming at us, and we had to provide an answer. I think in that moment we would just simply pray. This week, and I'll end on this, I was, we had an eruption in our downstairs bathroom and I mean that literally, it just started overflowing, nothing happened, no one flushed the toilet, it just started overflowing, coming out, and I panicked, I was yelling, I'm screaming, I'm grabbing towels, I'm doing everything I can do, I had enough wherewithal, because I had my airpods in, to call Jake, yes, the same Jake that sung last weekend, He's kind of a jack of all trades, that's what we call him, Jake of all trades. So when in doubt, I called Jake. Jake, the toilet is overflowing. I don't know what to do. He said, turn the knob, turn the valve, turn the water off. i like, oh, I did that. It's still coming. He's like, well, did you? he'd said some other technical terms that I can't repeat that I don't know what they were. But it started to stop. And I put the towels down. He said, all right, I'll be over in a little while. So he comes over and he says, well we got to go look at the gap stop. Is that the right word? Gap stop? Get out. The get out. That's what it was. Every house has it. Right? In the front, you have a white tube that comes out the ground with a cap on it. And that's your sewage line that goes out to the street. I learned all this. So you want to be a homeowner, do you? Well, okay. So we had to find this get out. And I'm like, well, I don't remember seeing it when we moved in. He said, well, usually it's, you know, within a couple feet of the house right here. And he's looking at the lines based on where the kitchen is. And he's like, so it should be in this area. And that area he's pointing to is my flower bed. My flower bed. Yes. Which I have been mulching and putting tarp over for about five years now. So there's layers of dirt in my flower bed. And I said, well, it's probably in there somewhere. And this is about six o'clock at night, so we're losing light. And we just start digging. He starts poking down, he's looking for the thing. And we're out there about 30 minutes poking around, nothing. And I'm feeling bad now because I've got this guy over here and his wife's mad at him because he's not home, it's a Friday, it's payday. He's supposed to be home with his wife, celebrating because he got paid and being with the kids. And here he is helping me. And I just took a second, took a breath, with everything going on, and I said, Lord, help us now. I said this out loud. Jake heard me. I said, Lord, just help us now. Help me remember where this thing is. I know I had seen it at some point. Maybe it's been five years. But help me find it now. And I hit a spot, hit a spot, and I shoved it down, and I hit a little something, and I popped it, and the white cap came flying out the ground. And Jake said, Hallelujah! Because he was ready to go home, too. And we cleaned that thing out, and he pulled out a big old root that was stuck down in there. and It all came flowing out, and all was well in the house of Collins. But going through that, there are times where it just seems like I'm not sure what to do next. Everyone around me is looking for direction, and I'm doing the best I can, but it's not getting the results. Sometimes we just have to put down the shovel just say, Lord, help me. And that's what he wants. That's all he really wants. Ask for him a little help so he can feel important to us. Isn't that crazy to think a big, mighty God can care about our itty-bitty feelings? But that's the beauty of his love. As the band comes forward, I encourage you all to hold fast to your faith and your beliefs in these coming weeks. Feel free to reach out to me at any time. Most of you have my number. Text me, call me, whatever. If you need a word of encouragement, need a scripture to uplift, I'm glad to do that. Because as a body of believers, I know we are in his protection. And he is guiding our lives.